Thank you so much for inviting me to be with you. It's, so far, it's been amazing. I, I got here Friday, 32 to 36 hours travel, and, um, which is insane. You know, no one should ever have to travel that long in their life for anything, I don't think, unless you get to go to Mars or something. You know, then at that point, you're like, okay, that makes sense. But it's, I'm so grateful to be here. And um, everyone, everyone that I've met, are, every single person I go, that's the friendliest person I've met. And then the next person I go, no, that, I'm pretty sure that's the friendliest person I met. And it makes me feel like I was telling um, Essia Martin, Essia, last night, her husband, he goes, what's the thing that's been the most surprising? I was like, I, I, I believe everyone's genuinely this nice, but it's hard for me to believe because it's so different than, than the U.S. So it's, people are nice in the U.S., but it's amazing. So you guys are totally, incredibly kind and nice to me. I'm so grateful to be here. So we've got, we don't have very much time. And I would love to just um, help work through some things with you that God has been doing in my heart, some things that he's shown me, and, um, and maybe it will be helpful for us today. Um, you know, the reality is, is this is a room full of amazing leaders and um, support leaders, and, but you guys are just like top shelf, every one of you. I know this is a, this is a very kind of, sort of exclusive group in a way. Uh, exclusive, yeah. Yeah. And what I meant to say was elitist. That's what, I'm just kidding. Um, no, so you guys, so I just, so anyways, it's great to be with you guys and you guys are amazing leaders. And so the reality is, is it's just really ridiculous that I'm standing in front of you and not the other way around. That's ridiculous. But hopefully the Lord can show us some things today. So if you would, please, um, open up your Bible. I know that because you guys are amazing leader, you, you probably all have the Bible memorized, but just to humor me. We're going to 1 Samuel 17. So 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 37 is where we'll be today. And then also, um, please find and mark Ephesians 4. Let me just find it. Ephesians 4. And we'll start there. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Okay, so the reality of what the Lord has asked us to do, what we've accepted, and the calling that God has given us is a tricky one as pastors, shepherds. I use that word a lot. Um, because everywhere you go in the world, everyone loves the idea of leadership. And literally, any bookstore you walk into, you can find, you could probably close your eyes, throw a rock, and hit a shelf about leadership. There are just so many books. Those books aren't bad, but that's the reality of the world we live in. People love leadership. But you won't find a lot of books about shepherding. It's a kind of a nuanced term. It's a very biblical term. It's actually how the Bible describes leaders. And so you, there's, I'm sure you guys have read so many books on leadership, and they're all probably amazing. Um, but as you know, as well as I do, the idea of leading can actually become a bit of a hindrance when it comes to shepherding people because leadership sometimes can replace this serving and shepherding and pastoring the people of God. We're, we get so like just ready to just build vision and work our magic, our leadership magic, and we just absolutely forget, and I hope the Bible is going to help us see today, what our role should be as shepherd leaders. Okay? So that's where we're going today. Uh, so, yeah, 1 Samuel 17. So I would love it 
if someone would just read out loud, you know, just like Sunday school kind of thing, just kids, church, um, read out loud 117, 31 through 37. Let me set up the stage a little bit. You all know this, but this is where David's about to go into battle. He's, he's, um, he's arguing with Saul, basically. And, um, and I love this. I'll, I'll explain more. But it, so back in those days, you had armies that would face off against each other, and there would be a representative from the army that would go out. And so Goliath was the representative from the Philistines, and then Israel had to have a representative, and no one they found could, no one that they found could, um, was confident enough to, so you'd have a representative of the army that would go out, and then in both armies they have a representative, and they would basically fight, and whoever won that thing got to win the war on behalf of the people. So that, that happened every so often back in the day. And here's what you have, the Philistines versus the people of Israel, which Israel would have been probably perceived as the greatest, most powerful nation at least in the region, but maybe on earth. And here's this Goliath who's massive standing in front of the Philistines defying the armies of God. And, and Saul is like, who's going to go? God is like, who's going to go? David kind of answers the call. And that, here's the argument that we see with, with Saul. So if someone would please read out loud 131, well, I'm sorry, 17, 31 through 37. And if you have a loud voice, even better. So good. Would someone else mind reading that whole passage? I, and I hope I didn't just mark on this with a permanent marker. I absolutely marked on that with a permanent marker. I'm so sorry. Would somebody else read that? So good. So good. Thank you. You're welcome. Way to read so well. That's what I was. Well, this is uh, where we're going is um, the idea here of the selfless shepherd. Okay? 
It's what God has asked us to be as pastors and leaders. And you, it's amazing to me, David here, when Saul, Saul's basically telling him, you can't go. You can't go and stand against the a whole army and fight this. You're just a boy. And David says to him, what do you mean I can't go? I'm a shepherd. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I'm a shepherd. I mean, that's like asking someone, no, you can't go into war here. Or you can't fly that, that fighter pilot to go into war. And it's like, no, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. And so we're okay. You guys seen those commercials. Do so you have those in South Africa? It's the same kind of thing. It's like a shepherd was his great rebuttal, his great defense to say, of course I can go and stand against. This man defies the army of God. Isn't that amazing to think about? That was David's great defense. And so what I would like to do, just, and just keep that open because you'll need to go back and look through some of it. I would like to just start to list what we see there. How does David describe himself as a shepherd? How would we describe David as a shepherd? What would we just write down, just words that would describe David as a shepherd? And just throw them out there. Don't be shy. Protective. Protective. That's great. Okay, protective. Courageous. Courageous. Brave. Did you say diligent? It's great. What else? Determined. Determined. He was straight ahead, knew exactly. Can't believe this man defied the armies of God. He was. Remember when they described Jesus was like, he said, his face like flint, set on the cross. It's incredible. Steward, I love that. Was that? Yeah, that's great. That's yeah, along those lines too. I'm just going to write here responsible. Excuse me, responsible. Experienced. He's experienced. Yeah, he had great experience. He'd been a shepherd. He knew what it's like to be attacked. Confident. There's a real high probability that I'm going to misspell something up here, and so I apologize ahead of time. I want to go back to the experience thing. It's, um, that's amazing because what was his deal? He was like, I've already I've seen God move. I've already seen him be really faithful. When a bear or lion came, he protected me. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Sacrificial. Sacrificial. Love that. In what way, PJ? That's exactly right. God focused. Yeah. Just, that's what you hear. I mean, you get the sense like with this, with David here, it's almost as if he can't even believe that Saul would. It's almost as if he just showed up on the scene and he's like, wait, what's going on? That guy defied the armies of the living God and everybody's scared of him. We have God on our side, right? You know, there's, you know what I'm saying? So he was so God-focused, he, couldn't, he never even thought about, am I going to make it through this as much? I mean, he's, that, because he's human, that came up, no doubt. So he was sacrificial. But there's this real sense in which you get David. It's just like, he's got this childish, not in a negative way, a positive way. He's, a very, he's got a very childlike just trust in God. It's really amazing. So I'm just going to put God-focused, God is that what you said? And, then I, and, I'll, and I'll just put trust underneath it. 
loving. Yeah. Yeah. Who said that? You did. Okay. He loved his sheep. Absolutely loved his sheep. So good. Maybe just two more. He raised his hand, and I'm so sorry. I just feel like I need to give him preference. So. You don't, get to, you don't get to the sheep unless you go through David. Jesus is the better David. So that's amazing. I mean, so Jesus is actually, you get to the sheep through Jesus, you get to the Father through Jesus. I mean, that's incredible. So gatekeeper is what I'm just going to write. I think that's great. And then you had one as well. Yes, sorry. Thoughtful. Is that okay? Thoughtful. And then you said gatekeeper. Okay, that's great. So then let's move on now. Are there any that are just massive? You like, I have to say it. Anybody that? Okay, you. Faith. Crazy faith. Just total um, absurd amounts of trust. Yeah. How do you have that much trust? It has to come from God. How's it coming with God? So I'm just going to put crazy faith. You got it. Whatever else I need to write, however you by all means, that's really great. Crazy faith is so good. Thank you. That's okay. That's okay. Okay, well, let's just move on then. So let's go to Ephesians now. And uh, we'll be in Ephesians 4. I believe I said, what did I say? I said 11. Okay, would somebody please, yeah, 11 to 16. Now, just, you know what this is, right? This is Paul 3 through 4. He's just like painting an amazing picture about what the church is. And he gives an incredible job description for pastors, preachers, teachers, apostles, shepherds. And so let's read it. And remember, this is, I mean, you know this, but the Holy Spirit actually wrote this book, and so it's alive. It's our blueprint. So somebody please read that out loud. Read it with confidence. 411. Not all at once. You go for it, crazy faith. That's what I'm, can you, would you mind reading it? Yes. So good. Would somebody else mind reading that? Just read it loud. 
Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. How many times do you think you've read that in your life? A hundred? Two hundred? A thousand? I don't know. If you were to ask, like, what is the job description of a pastor church leader? You could literally just go to one verse in the Bible and say, okay, our job, my job, your job, he gave, Jesus, who's the head of the body, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Most would say that teachers means shepherd teachers. To do what? Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Which is amazing. I mean, I, so, that, so that blows my mind. I, I, wanna, I just want to sit in that for just a minute. I mean, this is amazing stuff here. It's, our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're not professional Christians. You know, it's not like all of a sudden we're just the pros at this. We do it better than everybody else. I'm the best at, like, rolling up cables and putting chairs out or whatever. Our job is to actually equip the saints to love their neighbor as themselves, to do the work of the ministry, volunteer, whatever, however you want to call it. That's our job. And I, I'm, for me, it's like it's just a massive, helpful reminder. It's massive, helpful. Does anybody struggle with that? I'm raising my hand. Does anybody struggle with, like, delegation, equipping, you know, just not trying to do it all yourself? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we all do. It's part of the fall. So it's amazing to me. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I love, too, as well, Paul, you know, basically says, so we equip the saints. We want to we lead them to become mature. How do we do that? How do we know if someone is mature? This is impressive to me. Until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to what? To maturity. Mature manhood is what my Bible says. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So how do you know if someone's immature? To and fro, right? Every wind of doctrine. That's We just see it. That's the sign of immaturity. So then our job is to actually stand and lead our people, equip the saints to mature manhood, womanhood, and the way that we know that we're doing that is because they're not tossed to and fro. They, d- they don't just forget that God is actually sovereign and that He is also what? He's also good in all things, in all ways. His plans are good. He's good. Those are doctrinal truths. That's what the Bible tells us about God. When divorce happens, when cancer happens, when life falls apart, we don't, all of a sudden, they're not to and fro. Why? Because they're, we've by God's grace, he's led us to lead them to mature manhood, womanhood. Does this make sense? Okay. And then here's the thing. So like, you know, I, I don't know how many books there are in church leadership, and I'm sure there are a lot. Church growth, I'm sure there are a lot, and there's probably some amazing ones out there. I've read some amazing ones myself that really changed me, challenged my heart. But I want to get outside of that mind frame for one minute and just go like, here's a book. We have a book in one sentence that was written on church growth right here in Ephesians. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are, this is Ephesians, um, this is 15, 4.15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. That's, he's the head of the body. Jesus is head pastor. He's chief pastor of the church. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. This is amazing. I remember this. When each part is working properly, it does what? 
makes the body grow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's so simple. I mean, just that. It's like makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, period, the end. Somebody should make a book, Church Growth According to the Bible, and write that one verse and just hand it out to everyone and say, that'll be $35, thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing to me. This is amazing. It's so simple. It's, it's the Word of God. And so we're almost... We're, we're, we're running low on time, so what I want to do is, just with all of those sort of um, truths in us, I just want to list out a few more. What would we see here? What does a shepherd do? What is our role? So just maybe a few more from those scriptures. Let's shoot for five more. Equip. Equip. Do you want the ones you looked at? Yeah, the, this, just now, yeah. Equip. Let me just... Put stars and exclamation marks around that one. Builds up. Yeah, he's a builder. Builds up. What's that one? Speak truth in love. Yeah, a shepherd does that. A selfless shepherd speaks the truth in love. Do you remember... um, do you remember Proverbs 27? Proverbs 27 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Isn't that crazy? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Yeah, just Christ's focus. He's the head of the body. Love this. What else? Grows. grows. He grows. Yeah. Yeah, team. He's not a one-man show. There's no way he can be, right? He, he's got to equip the saints, and so it's, there's this communal thing, which you guys represent really amazingly here. It's this brotherhood, sisterhood thing. It's like, let's lock arms. It, Johannesburg, South Africa, all of Africa, the world, is obviously too big a place for this group to lead to, the, to Jesus. So we need each other. So I'm just going to put team focused. He knows his limitations. One more. Go ahead. You okay? Peacemaker. So. So do you mind if I just take unity and put it there? Will that be okay? And crazy unity. I'm doing it. I'm going to write it. Yeah. yeah. He's serving people. He, he leads them to maturity. It's hard to do that, but he does it. That's what he's after. He's not after himself. He's, I'm going to say he matures. Is that Okay. Matures sheep. Let's do that. He anchors theologically. Yeah. yeah. He's an anchor himself. Even though he doesn't feel it, he's still, this word is above him. So he's actually not beside the word or above it. He's under it. Yeah, that's right. So he protects the sheep from wolves. He's an anchor. It's great. Okay, we've got to stop there. 
Now over to this side. I'm just going to put... So shepherd and leader, they, they don't have to be an antithesis of each other. But there is a difference between a selfish shepherd and a selfish leader. We've got to do this really quickly. So just as fast as you can. Well, not literally as fast as you can. How about as fast as I can write? Let's just, what is a selfish leader? What does he do? What's he like? Self-focused. Yeah, self-focused. He's selfish, self-absorbed. What else? What's that? Lone Ranger. Yeah. Agenda. That's good. Pride. Yeah, he's not a steward. He maybe control, control. Insecure, for sure. Maybe some of you guys. I'm not. I don't hear from anybody in the back. Yes, that was totally prophetic. What I just did. I just got it. He's stubborn. It's his way. He can't possibly let anybody influence his decision. He's. Because he's a control freak, he's got an agenda, and he's just stubborn. What else? Self-protective. Yeah, maybe self-preservation, that sort of thing. Yeah, king, his own kingdom. Kingdom of self. What up? Yeah, if, yeah it's, it's all up to him. Lacks faith. That's right. Yeah, he himself is actually immature. He's manipulative. I just... So that's... He himself is immature. I mean, that's a big one there. He himself is waved to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Whatever the best trend is for the day, that's what he's going for. He doesn't actually go back to Ephesians. The word of God, written by God himself for his people to lead the church, he doesn't go there to see how do we do this. He goes lots of other places. Because he's to and fro by every trend, every wind of doctrine. And whatever is popular... Whatever gets people in the door, whatever makes us look great, makes me a great pastor because I'm a control freak, I've got an agenda, I'm a lone ranger, and really this whole thing is about me. Whatever that is, I want to read that book and do that thing, even if it feels like it's other than the Word of God. Even if it doesn't equip the saints. Does anybody, has anybody ever felt that? I've felt that in my own heart several times. Anybody else? Unteachable. Unteachable. Yeah, just uncorrectable. He's, he's, and you said manipulative. Okay, we've got to stop there. Those are all good. We could obviously go all day on this side. Those are really easy because we're like, you know what? I'm just thinking about myself here. I'm self-absorbed. I'm a lone ranger. I'm agenda-driven, and I don't care because I'm controlling. 
<laughs> Drop the mic. Wants to fly business class. Woo! Welcome to Joburg, man. You're just like family. <laughs> oh, man. So sorry. Can everybody see this? Can you guys in the back see it back there? Okay. So just take a good look real quick. You got your left side and your right side. This is obviously. So I just would love to know, as you rate yourself over here, how many of you feel like, I feel pretty good, selfless shepherd, I'm, I do all this pretty well. Just stand up and give us a great speech if you can, if that's you. You'd be the first person I've ever met. You would actually put yourself in this category right away because of the arrogance. And... But just as you look, you know, you might like look over some of these and think, like, you know, I do some of those okay. And you start to think a little more, and it's like, wait a minute. So I'm, I'm great at, I'm very team-focused. Then you, then you go, I wasn't very team-focused last week when I did this one thing. I wasn't very... I wasn't very mature when I said this thing to this person in this way. Like, yeah, but I'm an anchor of doctrine. Totally doctrinal anchor. And you start to think, huh. Man, if I really trusted the sovereignty of God, I wouldn't be so anxious. I wouldn't leave with so much anxiety. You know, and then you think, I'm Christ-focused. And it's like, well, I... Sometimes I'm really population-focused, which means I want a lot of people to come, and that's what I want. I want to be known as this guy that does it this way. And I'm not really Christ-focused. I don't really trust him that much sometimes. And then you start to go over here, just as the Holy Spirit reveals ourselves to us, and this looks exactly like Ben Hill. All of this, I could go on for days because I'd literally just be describing all the things that I struggle with. Anybody else? If we were to be honest, you know, I mean, this is church, you know, usually like this is no place to be honest, but can we be honest today? Let's be honest. Vulnerability today. This is who we are. This is who we are. Who does this look like? No doubt. No doubt. How does John describe Jesus as the what? He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. You know, it's amazing. This is amazing. This is literally Jesus. I know you guys can't see this, but I'm just writing Jesus underneath. So, so then that leaves us at a place to go, okay, this is Jesus. He's all of these things. And he also described a shepherd in the Bible to be all of these things. And then he called me to shepherding. So that's a bit unfair. I actually can't do any of these, and he knows it. Why is he so unfair to me? He's the good shepherd. I'm all this stuff. This is crazy to think about. This man came for this man. Isn't that crazy? I mean, just as like a little bit of a detour, the, the gospel is unreal. He left 
and with all of these attributes, he came with all of these attributes, left total communion to come and save this man. Isn't that crazy? That is absolutely crazy. Just think for one minute about the craziness of this guy coming for this guy. It's just crazy. Or this man coming for this woman. It's a beautiful gospel. And this man is the one who says, I am the head of the body. Be these things if you want to be called a shepherd. But we're these things. So I'd love for somebody to just tell me, like, how in the world do we do this? Has anybody figured this out? Has anybody figured out how to be this one, be him? Basically, what I'm asking you is, anybody figured out how to be Jesus? <laughs> and I just, I don't want to, I don't want to pick this apart theologically too much, but we hear a lot in our life, and I think it can be unhelpful, is to be like Jesus. And I get that. I totally get it. I totally get that. He's our, he's a model for us. He, he's the, he was the perfect man, the better Adam. He's but then it can be really unhelpful when we try to be perfect and die for our own sins. It just doesn't work that way. He's the good shepherd. You see what I'm saying? So anybody, just take a stab. Like, how do we... Yes, sir. shouldn't have asked you first. You just nailed it right off the bat. So what he said was, what's your name? Stephanus. Okay. I'm just going to call you Ste. Is that okay? I'm just kidding. He nailed it. He said this. How does this man get to this man? It's only through Jesus power of the Holy Spirit, in communion with the Good Shepherd, can we ever on our best day ever shepherd someone well? It's got to be through communion with Jesus. That is the thing. That's the great thing. It's not hard for me, but it's so hard to do. Why is it so hard for us to be in communion with Jesus? I'm just... For myself, I, I would just about be willing to bet that some of you just feel really distant from Jesus. And I, I know I, I have. I'm, I have for a long, there's been a long, there's been about two months of my life, three months, really the past year, that I felt just a little bit distant from God, although he's working a lot in my life. And really in the past month or so, I felt like, okay, I got to make this priority. This is the thing, you know, like, Church, whatever, I mean, it's all good stuff. But when that replaces communion with Jesus, we actually lead out of all of this. Because, this is who, because of the fall, this is who we are. We had to be saved from ourselves, remember? And then we need to go to this guy in communion. And I just, I'm going to ask you to be a little bit bold. I know you don't know me, and so don't, no pressure. But does anybody feel like, just like, man, that's good for me today. Like, I need that. Anybody, just by show of hands? So I just want to encourage you today. Communion with Jesus 
actually helps us be with the good shepherd and then lead out of his attributes, not ours. And then as he leads us, he changes us. We're transformed by the renewal of our minds. And we lead and say with a shepherd's heart. We approach people with a shepherd's heart because Jesus is at work in us and leading us. Does this make sense? So if we could, um, I'd just love to pray with you guys, if that's okay. I know this was so fast, but I would love to pray with you guys. And um, I'd just love to invite you, if today, if you're a pastor, shepherd of any sort, men, women, whatever, and you just feel like, I need help, I need communion. I need communion with Jesus. I'm missing this. I'm going to ask you to be really vulnerable and just stand up right where you are. If that's you, just stand up. This is great. So the guys right around them, would you mind just around your friends who are close to you and putting your hand on them. I mean, there might be too many, but if you're just if you're one of those that can pray, maybe for them. So let's just circle around, brothers and sisters here, put our hands on them. We're going to do what the Bible says we do in community. We're going to bear one another's burdens. I just, I just begin to pray for your friends there that. Holy Spirit would just infuse his presence, lead us to Jesus, rebuke the idol of ministry. It can become that. Rebuke it and just say, Lord, I want you. Jesus, I want you. I want you more than I want your stuff. I want remind me, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I want to just be a good kid today. I want to help me, Lord. I want to sit with you, Jesus. Come restore, come renew, come. Just ask for sweet communion, Lord. Would you just bring sweet communion, God? We want, to, we want to work out of rest. We want to rest first in you, seated with you in heavenly places, and then we walk in our calling. Just help us to rest. Help us to know you, Lord. Deepen our knowledge, our intimate knowledge of you, intimacy. We want to feel your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just continue to pray. You're bearing one another's burdens here. The Word of God is alive here, so I just want to read this over you guys as we close. This is from my heart to yours, from the Lord's heart to all of us. So I exhort the elders among you 
as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Listen to this. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Who's God given you? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, this is amazing, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And here's how great our God is. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, not your gifts. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. And ever and ever and ever Amen. 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 Well, bless you guys. My heart is with you.